Um, we have sung a lot of songs, and uh, some beautiful songs like that one. Many of you sent out cards. Um, you've gone to all the parties. You got your shopping done. How many men have your shopping finished? Yeah. <laughs> Meet J.O. in the parking lot in the front. He's going to take you to the mall tonight. Um, you know, there's cooking, there's cleaning, there's all of that. The, you know, the parties, family, the travel, the figuring out the schedules and how you're going to get to, you know, Meemaw's house, and then you've got to get over to this, you know, Aunt Wanda's house, and, you know, just the logistics of all of that, and you finally come up with some sort of a plan, and, and you're ready for Christmas. As I thought about that over the last several weeks, you know, I, I, I thought about how many Christmases that maybe you or I have faced when we thought, I'm kind of ready, but I don't feel ready. There's something, something not right about the way we do this or the way that we prepare. So we've been in this series called Making Room for Christmas. Um, and as I said before, it's not the fact that Christmas needs fixing that needs, you know, repair, but that our approach to it could use a little tweaking. It just seems to get crowded out, and I know it's almost cliche. When I, when I talk about Christmas, I'm, I'm almost scared to say, hey, isn't it a shame about how commercialized it's gotten, you know, and we think, yeah, that's, wow, what a creative thought that you've, you've brought. Um, but it has. It just gets crowded out by a lot of things, and the Christmas season, the Advent season, has been celebrated by the church for hundreds and hundreds of years, uh, and it's a season of expectation, and it's a season of preparation. I sound really... Am I okay? Okay. Um, Christmas reminds us that God cares about the world, that he didn't just create us and fling us out into space, but he's been involved in human history. And because of his unbelievable his extravagant love for us, and because of our desperation, because of our need for him, he did the unthinkable in sending his son into the world to become one of us and to save us. And just like the world waited in expectation uh, for his arrival on that starry night in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, we're waiting with anticipation. We are waiting with expectation for his arrival, and we wait for his second coming. And we talked about that uh, during the cafe uh, leading up to Christmas, and we've talked about it in, in this room and in this time, in this place, because we wait for him to come, and we believe he will. We also wait for him to come into our lives even now in a different way, in, in a way with power and with glory. Uh, with the Holy Spirit and with fire. You know, we talked about John the Baptist and how he said, this one's going to come and he's going to baptize you with fire and it's going to you know, change your life. And many of you today think, you know what, we're just not even a week out from Christmas and I, I don't have that fire of God in my life. I need, I need that, that power and that intimacy that, that you talk about is there. You need him to heal relationships to remove hurts and anger. Some of the things that come to your memory during Christmas instead of bringing joy can, 
can cause bitterness because there's something that still exists between you and somebody else. Or maybe you need him just to change a situation in your life. There's a financial situation, and Christmas probably doesn't help it any. Uh, there's a job situation. You think, well, we're going into Christmas. This is not a good time. There's a crisis that you're up against. Uh, you need him to change you. Maybe you look in the mirror and think, Lord, I just I kind of need a little Christmas makeover. I need my heart changed. Maybe you've lost your hope, and you need him to bring hope back into your life in some way. When's the last time that you just laughed out loud? And you remember just how good it felt just to laugh without hesitation. And you would just say, Lord, for Christmas, I would really like just for that laughter to be back into my life. Well, Christmas season, this whole time just reminds us that uh, that the God that we serve, the God that we know, is the God who actually does those very things. That's exactly what he does. Before Jesus was born, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph, who was Mary's husband, and said this, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord said through the prophet. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, the Bible says this, The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. That's who Jesus is. That's who he came to be. And I want you to know, whatever else happens, all the other words you hear me or guys like me say in moments like this, you are not alone this Christmas. Christmas means that we're never alone again. No matter how things may appear on the surface of your life at this moment, you think, yeah, but you don't know my story, you don't know what's going on with me, and I've got this happening and this, and it's easy for you to say because, and you know, all of that. But I just want you to know the truth of the thing is, you're not alone. So let's spend a few minutes this morning, and what I want to do is just come back and look at this central character in the Christmas story, and that is the mother of Jesus, Mary. Mary just exemplifies what it means to live a life of faith. And you probably know her story. Whatever your background is, whether it's religious or not, whether it's you know, from this denomination or this group, you're, you've probably heard about Mary and you understand who she was. She was a young woman, probably a teenager, I'm guessing maybe about 16 years old. She's engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. Now, the first time I shared that, uh, you, know, some, some, you may say, oh, 16, she's getting married, that's a little young. My mother was 15 when she got married. We sort of grew up together. Um, so it, it happens, especially in East Tennessee. Okay, um, but she's married to a man named, she wants, you know, she's going to marry this guy named Joseph. And when the angel of the Lord uh, appears one day and, and says to her in Luke, in verse 28, Greetings, you who are highly favored. How would you like an angel to say that? Uh, the Lord is with you. See, right off the bat, first thing God wants Mary to even know is that God's with you. 
God, God is with you. The Bible says she's troubled at his words. This is not an everyday kind of a thing. So she's wondering about that. She can't figure out exactly what that means. So he explains to her, you will give birth to a son. His name will be Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, which was a messianic title. Mary asked, how in the world is that possible? I'm a virgin. And it was probably even embarrassing for her just to say, okay, I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm a virgin. I don't know what you're talking about, but that just, it's kind of an impossible thing. So here's what the Bible says in Luke 135. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of, not Joseph, God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her own age, in her old age. And she who has, uh, was said to be barren is in her sixth month. He just throws this in. Nothing is impossible with God. <laughs> I guess so. Maybe it's just been beginning to sink in a little bit. You know, she just started thinking, okay, I'm putting all this together, and I'm starting to understand about this road uh, that is unfolding uh, in front of me. So here was Mary's response in verse 38. She said, this is just so beautiful. I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Just like that. Now, this woman named Elizabeth... Mary is related to her through her mother. Elizabeth is from Aaron's uh, descendants, and Mary, uh, through her father, is from David's descendants. And uh, they're, they're, she's mentioned here you know, by the angel. She's a relative, like a cousin. And it turns out that this child that she's expecting would be John the Baptist. The same John the Baptist uh, that we looked at you know, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and at this point... All that Mary knows was that her cousin, who is this older woman, been barren all of her life, never had children, uh, was now having a very similar experience to, uh, to her own. And so the Bible says that Mary hurries to go visit and to be with Elizabeth. And I want to read to you uh, the story of what happened when, when she did. Verse 39 says, At that time, Mary got ready. The Bible's so sweet to just put that in. She got ready. She had to get ready. You know, got to get ready. Um, Hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Mary just exemplifies, even to her relatives, they see that she's this woman of faith and she's this woman of obedience and this woman of blessing. Because, just like Elizabeth said, she believed, God, I believe what you say. And I think uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I haven't read about this. I've never seen this happen. I haven't heard other people's testimonies. But I think it's going to happen exactly the way you say this is going to take place. You see, when we look back on this event, we've got this 2,000-year-old historical lens. And we know how the story is going to end. We have you know, understand that. 
Mary didn't. There was no reference point for her. She knew clearly that something miraculous absolutely had happened. And she knew she's about to travel this unusual, probably kind of a difficult uh, path. She's not married, uh, especially in that day and age. She knew what people were going to think, what could you think, what conclusions they were going to come to. She knew what her fiancé, you know, here's this guy, I want to marry him, and, and her husband-to-be, what's he going to think about that? Uh, she didn't know how people were going to react. She didn't know how he was going to take that and what his response was going to be. If he's going to say, you know what, I don't, I, this, I don't need this kind of drama in my life. I'm just a carpenter. Um, and it, he, she didn't know what was going to happen with that. All she knew was, this is what God has told me. This is what he's promised to me. And I'm going to hold on to that with all my heart and with all my life. So Mary, without a doubt, I mean, she's the most revered, the most admired, venerated woman in all of history, right? I mean, can you think of any other woman? Now, we don't worship Mary. We don't pray to Mary. But we can appreciate respect and just honor the value of this enormous contribution that she's made in the story of our salvation. And especially to you young women, I want you to catch the fact that she's just a teenage girl. You see, sometimes within a Christian environment, we'll, we'll look around us and we'll think, well, who's God going to use in the room? Uh, he's going to probably use that guy. He's been a deacon for 10 years. Or that guy's on this committee. Or that guy's one of the pastors. Or that, You know what? God uses all kinds of people. He uses everybody in his plan. And for one of the most, if not the most important role in this entire story, he picks a teenage girl because her heart is after the Lord and she's obedient and she's willing. So wherever you are in life, you think, well, I don't know. Maybe someday God's going to use me. Or hey, my chance you know, was back then. I'm too old now. That's just a, a lie of the enemy. You're so set and you're so ready to be used of God. God chose this young woman, this teenage girl, to bring his son into the world, to take care of him. And I thought this week about how it was, it was to her you know, that she had to nurture him, to teach him how to walk, how to talk, how to read, how to pray, how to, you know, just, just all of these, everything. And that she was the one who stayed with him all the way through until the very end. Who is there? If you keep reading this story and you get to the end, who's still there? It's Mary. And we've learned faith, oh my goodness, from so many different people. Biblical characters, you know, Abraham and David and Moses and Peter and Paul and, and people that we're familiar with in our lives. But we can learn so much about a life of faith from the example of this young girl, Mary. Elizabeth said to her, Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said, that's going to take place, that's going to, that's going to be accomplished. So what I want to do is just kind of look at Mary's faith and what we can learn about, you know, our life and how God wants to do what he wants to do in our life through Mary's example. Because just like God promised Mary that he's going to, you know, she's going to give birth to this son, just like God you know, said, God has promises for you. Very specific. And his word's full of these promises. Check it out. Uh, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm with you always, even into the end of time. All things work together for your good. 
I will give you the desires of your heart. Sin will not be your master. You will learn to overcome. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. If you have the smallest kernel of faith, you can move mountains. I will forgive your sins and remember your iniquities no more. I will give you the strength to overcome temptation. I will use you to make a difference in the world that you live in. I'll fill your heart with joy and peace and with love. I will give you life everlasting and life even more abundant. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive the power to do great things. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Just lifted random promises right out of Scripture. There are hundreds of them. Hundreds of promises all throughout the Bible. And those apply not just to these characters, not just to people that you read about in Scripture, or not just to people you, know, you think about in church history, but they're for you. They're for you. They really are. They're for us. And then there are those promises that God sometimes will speak through Scripture and use in very specific ways in your heart and your life. And I know that sometimes you think, well, I don't know, that's just what I want to read into that. Or, you know, you come, and I understand that. And there are times that I'm not sure about it. But sometimes there will be a scripture that you read, and it just, it's like the Holy Spirit just lifts it off the page. And he just gives that to you. And it's a promise. A while, quite a while back, I preached from the book of uh, Haggai. And I, I quoted a verse in which... Uh, God says in Haggai 2.9, in this place I will bring peace. And when I read that, it just spoke to my heart. And, and I took that scripture as a promise from the Lord. Now afterwards, um, uh, I was speaking on that scripture and uh, a man came up to me and he said, you know, his family life's just fallen apart, the wheels had come off, he didn't know how to repair that or even to begin or even if it would happen. But he said this, standing right here, he said, when I heard those words, he said, when I heard that scripture, he said, I wrote it on, you know, the little handout that you give us. And he said, I knew that God was speaking to me and that that's why I was here this morning. And he said, if I will bring my family to this place spiritually, he said, we can experience peace with one another. He said, this is the first hope I have felt in months and months. And he began that journey of restoring his family. And he is seeing the promises of God come alive in his life today. And it all started with this one promise. God may have given you a promise like that. And if he has, he hasn't forgotten about it. And you may flip back in your Bible, and I know sometimes people write or you'll underline or even maybe write a date beside a particular verse, but then time goes on and you don't see that exactly. You think, well, I don't know about that one. Listen, if God hasn't brought that about yet, maybe you need to go back. You need to reread that and kind of let that be freshened in your heart and go, God, I'm not letting go of that promise. I mean, how unusual, how bizarre it must have been for Mary to think, God, I've gotten this promise for you, and I don't know what to do with it, but I'm just going to wait, and I'm going to watch, and I'm going to see you move in my life. Hey, God's made promises to you. That's why it's important, by the way, to spend time in His Word, to let Him speak through Scripture. Um, there's, that's where you're going to encounter His promises. That's where, you, that's where you're going to learn to live the life of faith. 
So I'm encouraging to believe everything God's promised to accomplish in you. Don't let go of that just like Mary did. And there are ways we can kind of follow that example. So I'm going to try to make this real practical for us, okay? Now, one of the ways I thought is this. Keep believing even when others don't believe in you. Mary knew, and I think probably, you know, we just kind of put this on her, but the humiliation of the whole thing. I mean, she's got to know, yeah, everybody's going to talk about this. Um, Joseph's probably going to walk out of my life. I'm going to lose him. He's going to not want to be my husband anymore. Um, nobody's going to believe my story. You know, when you're in a jam and you think, what happened? Well, God did it. You know, How many people are going to embrace that and go, oh, okay, we knew there was a logical explanation. I, of course. Uh, she didn't know. I mean, everything was so far-fetched. And she's, she was willing to sacrifice her reputation. And she knew that's kind of what's on the line here. Mary's going to be uh, the subject. She's going to be, uh, the gossip is going to all be about her. And when that comes, when that begins to happen, she's going to be rejected by her family. They're going to be embarrassed. But, you know, somewhere this girl said, even if those things happen, even if that's the way this turns out, I'm going to stay faithful to God because I know what I know. And I know he's promised me this and I know he's chosen me. So even if my reputation goes down the drain, even if all of that goes away, in order to be used by God, so be it. I'm just going to put my trust in him. And maybe you're at that place. Now, I've been in ministry for years, decades. <laughs> and I've seen this happen more than once. I've seen it happen to missionaries, to pastors, to ministers, to people involved in, in ministry. You, you can get a raw deal. Things can go south. You can be misunderstood. Um, motives will be challenged. Uh, this has happened to me, probably happened to a, a lot of you in this room. And folks will say, oh, they're just in it for this reason. Or they're just chasing the money or the authority. They don't really care about people. It's about power. It's about, you know, and, and maybe you've been caught in that. And you've been misunderstood. And I've seen really good people in churches to be judged by folks who maybe don't know all the facts. You kind of think you do, or you assume that you do. You know, you think, well, I think I've got the information, and so I'm going to repeat that. Maybe I'll even repeat it as a prayer request to kind of give a veneer of spirituality over it, you know, um, and just to say some of those things. And, and I've, I've seen that, ha- you've seen that happen. And I know people whose reputation has been damaged or tarnished, and it's not as good as it should be because they preferred to do what was right rather than what was popular or rather what was politically expedient. You know who else I've seen this happen to? I see it happen all the time to parents. Think about it. You spend years making tough decisions. You pour your life into your children. Uh, All all of your financial resources, you know, are just dedicated to that. Uh, Most of your children, you know, they'll never know uh, until much later in life, if ever, how much you sacrificed. And then there are times when I've seen children become so disgruntled and say, why didn't you do this? Or why did you do, why did you do it like that? Why were you so strict? Well, how come you worked all the time? Or how come you didn't do this? Or why didn't you provide more? My friends have this. And I, you know, it just goes on and on. And, and you just you feel like, oh my goodness, I've, I've given my whole life to you. 
There'll be times when even the people that you love the most and that you serve don't fully understand or won't fully appreciate all that you're doing for them. But is that why you're doing it? Kathy has 50 piano students, and some of them are really cute and fun. Some of them are not. Some are sweet and some are not. But one of the children she, uh, she gave, gave little gifts to, and the little boy just tore open the package, looked at it, and he said, is this all? So she punched him, right? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. He started crying and bleeding, I like, you little sissy. And, 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 uh, now that didn't happen, but, uh, but the first part did. Uh, but, you know, that's just, you think, ah. And I'm picturing her up, you know, I, I walk to the kitchen and she's wrapping 50 little gifts and trying to pick out the right thing and the shopping and all of that. And then there's that. And you know what that feels like. Many of you who are parents or your aunts or uncles or, you know, you, you've, you've been there and you understand uh, how that can be sometimes. Listen, keep believing even when other people don't don't believe in you. Follow the example that Mary sets here. Believe God. Just keep trusting Him. Keep relying on His promises. Your day's going to come. And I mean that in a good way. Your day's going to come. It's going to come. Now, here's another way that uh, we kind of follow the example of Mary. Keep believing even when the road gets rough. The angel announced to Mary, you're going to give birth. It's going to be the Son of God. He didn't conclude the announcement by saying, therefore, since you are such a special lady, we've got like four mansions spread out, uh, one in L.A., there's, you know, we've got a, you know, a, a flat in New York, we've got you know, a place in the south, we've got one overseas. You know, we're going to really take care of you, your meals are going to be catered, there's some really great chefs, lots of servants, you know, here's a car for I mean, And one could argue that this woman out of anybody deserves that kind of luxury, but that's not what happened because that wasn't the life that God called Mary to, and it's, it's not the life God calls us to. He calls us to a life that comes with a price tag. He calls us to sacrifice. Mary was arguably the, you know, the greatest woman who ever lived, and instead of giving all these perks and appreciation, she just lived this real simple life. Her husband was a carpenter, which at that time, good profession, but not at you know, the, the top financially. They lived in a kind of a poor, a lower middle class type income in Galilee. It could be compared to living in Appalachia or in the hills of East Tennessee here. She's eight months pregnant. Um, she's required to make this long journey to a distant city. Uh, it's not comfortable. She's surrounded by a loving family, but when it comes time to actually give birth, She's pretty much by herself, just she and her husband, some strangers, farm animals. They're in this stable, in this cave place. And it's just, it's not at all like maybe we would have thought the story would have turned. The fact is, like you didn't know this already, the, um, the road gets rough. And sometimes you just have a hard way to go. You can't get around it. And there are times as a pastor or as a friend, I wish I could make things go away or I wish I could just wave some you know, ministerial wand and that a situation would miraculously change just like that. But oftentimes it doesn't. 
There are times I've walked out of hospitals or people have walked out of my office or, you know, I've, I've hung up the phone and thought, Lord, why don't you make this easier? Lord, can you just let us coast along for a little while? Just give us a break. Throw us a bone. Just, can you lighten up a little? Sometimes he does, but sometimes he just lets it rock on. And maybe that's where you are. It's because that those who seek to live a life of faith sometimes travel kind of a lonesome path, kind of a difficult road. It applies to me. It applies to you. It applies to everybody. And the road to the fulfillment of promises to God isn't one that just flows downhill, you know, that you just get on your bike, you get on your skateboard, and you just kind of coast and you think, oh, this is really nice. It's uphill, and it's a climb, and sometimes it's hard, and sometimes it's rough. But I can guarantee you just this one thing, especially for those of you who may be on the verge of giving up and just thinking, what's the use? It's always worth it. And it will be worth it. Whatever you're going through, and I just feel like the Lord's given me that for you. If it's with your children or maybe you're in another relationship, it's, it's going to be worth it. One of my favorite verses, when we're talking about Christmas and the Christmas story, one of my favorite verses in Luke chapter 2, verse 19. This is after Jesus had been born, the angels had announced his birth, the shepherd boys had come, they had witnessed the whole thing, and the miracle had happened. And the Bible says this in Luke 2, 19. Mary kept all these things in her heart, and she thought about them often. Your version may say, she pondered that. It's kind of a Tennessee way of saying, she pondered that. She thought about it. You know what I think she thought? On days it was hard, and you know, days she didn't understand, she would just think to herself, but it's so worth it. Every difficult day, every dark night, every hard moment, every whispered rumor about me, every step of this journey, it is all so worth it. Look what God is doing in my life. Look what he's given me. Hey, keep believing God. Even when the road gets tough, just keep moving. There's one other thing that I think we can do to kind of imitate this faith of Mary's. Keep believing even when things seem impossible. Verse 37, the angel said, nothing is impossible with God. I think Mary probably needed to hear that. She's this young single woman. She's engaged. She's not married. She's a virgin, but she's, you know, she's being faithful to the Lord. But then God's placed this man in her life. It looks like all of her dreams have come true. And then the impossible happens. She gets pregnant. And she even asked the angel, how can this be? <laughs> I've never been with a guy. I, and the angel says, because it's not impossible with God. The solution to your situation in every way you figured it, you may have you know, sat down at the kitchen table, you're driving along in your car, or you're at your desk thinking, you know what, I can figure this out. And you just can't come up with a solution. You think, God, I don't know how this is going to work out. It may be that the solution isn't apparent because your situation seems impossible. And humanly speaking, maybe it is. The good news is we don't love a God 
And we're not loved by a God who's bound by our human limitations. We serve a God who intervenes in human history, even on our behalf, especially in our time of need. Sometimes I'll be in an impossible situation. I'll say, God, the only solution I know is for me to do this and just kind of take control of that, you know, and just take it on your own and say, you know what, it's probably not the best case scenario, but I can fix this by doing this. You know what, I think I can, I can kind of, if I go over here and, and I, if I kind of work it like that, if God calls you to do that, you know, God bless you. But we serve this God who intervenes. I mean, you may have a broken relationship and you think, I don't, I don't know if that can ever be saved. I don't know if anything can be salvaged. I'm just going to walk away. And there are times before you take that as a license to do, you know, whatever it is, kind of like you, you, you're pulled toward, just want to do. Uh, it's not always appropriate, but there are times when broken relationships, absolutely, you know, from your point of view, you think it just can't, can't work. Can't ever be back in. But with God, nothing is impossible. I've seen things happen I never would have dreamed. If that relationship isn't saved, you may think, well, there's no way I can ever continue on my own. I can't, I can't go on without that, that person in my life. But with God, nothing is impossible. And you may think, there's no solution for my health problems. I don't think, you know, it, it, but with God, nothing is impossible. I was talking with a friend yesterday about some of the times that God has just done miracles where everybody steps back and says, don't understand it, looks like I didn't think that could be. But sometimes God allows it to continue, and it becomes a permanent part of your life, and you think, I just can't cope with it. I can't cope with that. Remember this, even then, with God, nothing is impossible. You know, you, you may have financial problems, and, and it's just too enormous to be resolved. You think, I, unless something, I, just remember, with God, nothing is impossible. And there have been times he's come through in my life financially from out of the blue in ways I never could have dreamed, where people didn't know the situation, and they think, I just feel like God moved me to do this or to do that, you know, and to, to give this. And I think, oh my goodness, or, or something happens, you know, with, with something you've totally forgotten about, and, it, and all of a sudden it just shows back up, and you think, oh my goodness, Lord, it just looked impossible. There have been times when he didn't do that, and I thought, I don't know if we're going to be able to make this. I don't, and God says, no, with me it's not impossible, and I've got another plan that I want to walk you through. You may think, I'll, just, I'll never be happy, I'll never be content if, unless this or unless that, unless I have this kind of life. I just want you to walk back out this morning just remembering this. With God, it's not impossible. Nothing is impossible. That's why Paul said in Philippians 1.3, I can do all things through Christ because he strengthens me. So whether your road is easy right now, whether it's really rough, whether you travel alone, all, you feel like you're all by yourself in the world, or you've got a lot of people surrounding you, if you're in abundance or things are really tight right now, God can and will give you the strength to face whatever it is you've got to face. Because nothing's impossible with Him. You know what I've learned that this means? Sometimes God comes through with a miracle. Because nothing's impossible. But you know what else it means? I have found that sometimes you can get through it without a miracle. Because nothing is impossible with God. It's about Him, not just the miracle. So here's what I'm saying. 
Mary believed in the God of the impossible. And I know if you're like me, you're tempted to say, I could never do that, or I couldn't do that, I could never try that, I couldn't survive in that kind of situation. Don't believe that. Don't believe that. Believe instead in the God of the impossible. That's at the core of what this story, this event, is all about. And if you believe that nothing's impossible with God, He is going to give you uh, an overcoming experience in your situation. Doesn't matter what other people think, what they feel, what they say about it. If you believe that the Lord can do the impossible, you can endure the rough road. You can get through the long journey because you know what's waiting for you. Mary was blessed because she chose to believe what God had promised. That's our example. So this last several weeks, this this whole series can be summed up with this phrase, living in expectation. Living with expectation. You go through all these seasons, you find ourselves, you know, we're waiting for God's arrival. I'm waiting for God's answer. I'm waiting for God's leadership. I'm waiting for Him to move in my life. You know, you're waiting and you're waiting. You wait through the entire month of December for the day when all those gifts show up under the tree and when everything happens and there's that anticipation and you get to celebrate with the people that you love the most. And that day always arrives. All the parties and the cleaning and the rushing and the, how are we going to do this? Christmas always comes. It always comes. In the same way, I want for us to be able to live in the expectation of God's promises, knowing that day is going to arrive. And I hope with all my heart that that just this gives you some hope again. Whatever situation you're in, whatever road you're walking, it's not going to last forever. God's going to come through. Maybe with a miracle, maybe with something completely different, but it's not impossible with him. So that's why I'm encouraging you. Make some room for Christmas this year. Let's mend our attitudes about it and see Christmas for what it really is. It's a season in which we learn to live in expectation, knowing that the fulfillment of his promises are going to take place in his way. Let's pray.